How's it going, Jay? All's good. How many times you check your phone this week? Do you really want to know? I actually really, I really, I really, really want to know. Well, thanks to iPhone's new screen time stats, I am at. Let's see, where does it say how many times I total pickups? Do you really want to know? No, before oh, you, can you guess before you looked at it? Yeah, what's the over under on how many times you looked at your phone this week? <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I'm not you sure. Want me to you guess mind? first? I mean, yeah, I saw it already, so oh. it gives it away. Total pickups, ninety-seven per day. Oh, 97. Total pickups in the past seven days, 679. Oof. Most pickups, 168 between Wednesday and Thursday. You're like the Steph Curry of devices, just draining <laughs> three-pointers from all the way around. So Feel like a teenage girl. Well, I would, I would love to look up the stats to see if you are alone or if you're, in fact, the norm. I have no idea. We should we should look that number up. I'm not showing you my. Yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> Take I'm scared. Phone. I'm not. I, I'm scared. Oh, you, here, here's another stat right here. Yes. Three hundred three hours and forty seven minutes per day on average. Wow. Ooh. Weekly total twenty six hours thirty three. How do they minutes. figure these things out? It's a computer. It's a computer in your pocket. Th- there's no lying. You can't. You can't hide. <laughs> Well, we're going to talk about screen time and work and screen time and work and screen time and social, and we'll examine the question: Could they make the television show Friends now? Because would people sit around in a coffee shop and actually talk to each other, or just sit around and stare at each other and stare at their phones? What did you just say? I missed that. (laughs) We'll be right back with the start of Mindful Work. What happens when a CEO, a shrink, and a rabbi start talking about mindfulness at work? Just about anything. Thank you for joining us at Mindful Work. You can learn more about this podcast at www.mindfulwork.show. And now, Mindful Work presents the author and clinical psychologist, Rabbi Dr. Benji Epstein, tea industry executive and award-winning educator, Rabbi Jason Rosen, and your host, Dan Cohen, CEO and founder of Full Court Press Communications. Enjoy the show. Well, thanks, everybody. Welcome back to uh, MindfulWork.show, a place where a CEO, a rabbi, and a shrink talk about mindfulness at work. Um, So I'd like to first introduce uh, the man who inspired us all, Rabbi Dr. Benjamin Epstein, PhD, clinical psychologist, chief spiritual officer at Mellow Sleep, and the author of Living in the Presence, coming from Orem Productions very soon. A man who, if you stopped him on a street and he said, what's the goal? He would tell you the goal is so... The goal is soul. And uh, to his credit, he only picked up his phone 31 times today. So good for him as we talk about picking up our work and working our screens. Also with us today is uh, Rabbi Jason Rosen. Many of you know him as a key executive in the Israeli tea and coffee industry. But what you may not know is he's recently shifted to become part of the high-tech startup nation. Jason, congratulations on the new gig. Thank you so much. Excellent. And now that you have a new job, you're going to have to look at your screen, I guess, less frequently while you're sitting at your desk. Uh, my name is Dan Cohen. I am uh, a CEO of Full Court Press Communications. I'm a licensed attorney. And I will admit here for the first time that I am a Twitter addict. And I don't know how I'm going to stop, but it is definitely an addiction, um, one that I really do not have control over. So if, in the interest of full disclosure. So today what we wanted to talk about was um, balancing work and our screens, not how are we sending emails when we're sitting at our desk, but we all carry around a supercomputer in our pocket. 
And how do we balance or how do we manage um, our productivity? Um, I think uh, there's a statistic that says every time you're interrupted at work, it takes you a full quarter hour to get back into the mindset of where you were. And as someone who's constantly bouncing back and forth between emails and press releases or emails and documents that I have to create, I know that I'm incredibly uh, subject to that kind of a distraction. So oftentimes I'll put the phone away as I'm trying to like really work on a document. Um, your thoughts, guys, on just sort of how do we think about productivity at the office and those things that are in our pocket? Hi, my name is uh, Benji and I- I'm an addict too. Yeah, we all are. I think that that's part of the discussion is that recognizing that this is something that's gone haywire. Yeah. Meaning we can't pretend anymore that we're not all addicted to these devices. And there are people in Silicon Valley who have tapped into this. Yeah. And they're doing it consciously. And and that's part of the, the shift in the discussion has to start being, we don't know how to adequately handle these things because it came out of it's not, it's not like you're you're struggling with any type of thing like oh i got addicted to painkillers i'm selling you know i started smoking at a certain age no there's something that they're tapping into in terms of our human physiology in terms of our brains that creates this sort of um i think someone had it described as a a slot machine in our in our phones so every time we pick it up it's like ooh, i got a, i got a notification and something gets uh, triggered in our brains. So I think the, the studies have, have also talked about sort of dopamine, right? It's that positive thing that pops in your brain and gives you that little tiny, tiny drop of dopamine every time you get a like or every time you see a tweet or you retweet it. You just get a tiny little drop of dopamine. Um, and I think on some level, maybe as an older person, we're able to maybe kind of control it a little bit. But I also see it in, in younger people, and it's terrifying, right? My, my daughter was trying to buy T-shirts the other day at a T-shirt store. And the, the, the young woman who was her age helping her um, couldn't stop looking at her phone while she was pulling shirts down for her to try on. Now, that, that's one thing. But also, as in, if I were her employer, how are we thinking about customer service in a time when our service isn't – or the folks who are our employees – are focused on their phones and, and, and their social media and everything they're doing as opposed to the customers they're supposed to help. Um, the, these, are, these, are, these are tough challenges. I don't even know what I'm expecting to see next up when I open my phone that is so urgent for me. But like, it's like an urge. Yeah. That I, like, I just checking in. Like, I, I see a value of this. Maybe like when you're waiting in line in the supermarket when I'm just trying to kill time. Right, because I'm not being productive. I'm just waiting for my turn. Mm-hmm. But like, why do I constantly have that urge? So, like you said, it's the dopamine. But how? So, so what does what does a drug addict do then yeah. to get those urges under control? I mean, do we need similar a similar path? It's, it's also that intermittent reinforcement. I mean, you don't know what you're going to be getting, but you might be getting an email from your cousin in Nigeria, <laughs> who's going to give you millions of dollars. You also have a cousin in Nigeria. Yeah, he's a prince actually. <laughs> And it's that yeah. it's that sort of intermittent meaning you never you might get you might get the great news, you might not, but you're gonna keep checking. And the fact is we have a hard time now, like you said, like as adults, we should be better at managing it. We're not. That's what we're telling ourselves. Like we have choice. Do we really? Do we, at some point, do we really have a choice when we become again using the word addicted and using it loosely in terms of not the actual, you know, bodily, uh, physiological, you're not gonna have any sort of um withdrawal symptoms and but ultimately we feel 
this real we do we're doing things we don't want to be doing. I mean, do you want to be on your phone that much? So let me let me sort of share a thought and then I want you guys to respond back maybe with a little bit of the Jewish wisdom. But I'm thinking about Jason and him checking his phone ninety seven times a day. I'm thinking about Jason too. Is yeah, there yeah is is there a place in our Jewish wisdom where our 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 leaders, our sages, our rabbis have talked to us about you know, finding time aside from Shabbat, which, which is its own thing, but finding time during our day to, to be present, to be living in the moment um, where maybe we can reach back at some of that wisdom that maybe hundreds or thousands of years old, but where we're saying um, we recognize life is full of distractions. I'm sure it was full of distractions in the marketplace 2000 years ago when we're selling fruit or selling shmatas we were just as distracted. So what what kind of learnings can we take from our history about um, ways that we can manage these distractions, especially during our day? The first thing that comes to mind is the blessings we make in the morning, the Birkot Shachar, where we're sort of I mean, now we, when we do it, we do it, and we do it in the synagogue. We just sort of like bang them all out together. But really, it was done when they first arose, and then they started, you know, they're putting on their shoes. So there was a blessing for that, and there was a blessing for when they put on their their clothing. You know, that we have the ability to see when they open their eyes. So it's just sort of bringing that awareness into what we're doing, mm-hmm. and, and and what these, you know, all of these gadgets are doing are, are taking away that awareness. I mean, they're just competing for it, and so what those sort of blessings can help sensitize us to is, you know, I'm putting on my shoes, you know, putting on my shoes and putting on my pants one leg at a time. So that's the sort of thing, how that carries out through our days is, is more of, of a, of a challenge. And so what do you guys think? I have, I have something that was on my mind, not from a Jewish perspective per se, but a study I read and I, I can't recall the author. I can't recall this, the, the, the study itself, but the, 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 um, the story was great. They did kind of a study of people who were in the Louvre. If I've mentioned this before already, stop me. Mm-hmm. We're going to see the world's famous paintings, right? And the, the brain science showed that you have like four girls who are in the Louvre, right? And they're seeing the Mona Lisa, right? She takes a picture. She uploaded, uploaded to her Instagram, right? And then as she continues through the museum, she's constantly checking her phone to see how many likes she has. Mm-hmm. The brain science and the way they understood was you could be in the Louvre with world-class paintings, but you're not there mentally. You're not there. You're, you're checking to see who, who liked your, your, uh, your picture so far. So it's like you can be somewhere and not be somewhere at the same time. And, and that's how I feel like what, what it does to me. Like I could be at work. I could be with my family, right, and not have that awareness of my surroundings like you're talking about. So as you say that, I think what comes to mind for me is um, just outside of our office in Oakland, they're building a new tower. And uh, we sort of look down from 13 floors onto this construction site. And I can't tell you how many times I've looked down at that construction site and there's guys on their phone. Now, these guys are on their phone as like forklifts are going around, heavy machinery is going around. So it's not just doing it for the likes and not being attention and being present at the Louvre. You know, what does it mean when you're not present as like steel beams are going by your head? So I think in the business, in the business world, Maybe there has to be some kind of a push-pull between personal responsibility, but also some kind of rule setting or maybe some some structures or some boxes around how we talk about phones in the workplace. Um, 
But again, that's where you get into the phone is it's like ripping it out of my cold, dead hands, right? You'd have to you'd have to acknowledge the fact that you don't have the the what's the word? Um, not capacity, but the I'm blanking for now. But we don't have the ability to adequately self monitor ourselves, which is a very humbling thing. You know, you sort of like go to a twelve step group, and it's like the first thing you have to accept is that you're powerless. It's like, what? No, you have agency, and you have the ability. You have wherewithal. You're, you're you have bechira. You have free choice. It's like. You know what? We have to start acknowledging that maybe you don't in certain areas. And that's really humbling, but that's also where we have to start looking at it versus like, yeah, of course, I could just, I could just put it away for how long? Well, so maybe in a sense, you know, we're just coming out of the high holiday season in Yom Kippur where we have to account for this sin and that sin and this sin and that sin. Maybe what Tim Cook and the team at Apple is doing is they're giving us a tool to say, you know, I have looked at my phone 97 times today. I have looked at my phone 697 times this week. Maybe it's a sense of, of knowledge is power and they're putting the power back in our hands to at least acknowledge it. Um, you know, I could look at it much more nefariously, but I think from a, let, let's maybe stay a little bit positive. Maybe Apple will sponsor this one day, but maybe what they're saying is you have agency, you have power. You should understand, you know, your time spent on this device. Um, again, I realize that's a knowing question full a question. well that I have engineers in our whatever an engineering room looks like at Apple, spending their entire day and their very very smart IQs to figure out ways to make sure that I am spending as much time on your products and not on someone else's. I think the 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 concept here of cheshbon hanefesh taking an accounting right, and that's where I think. Prayer, tefillah, comes into play as well because that's where you can take that accounting. But when you see the cold data and you review that cold data on that screen time app, then then there's no there's no fooling. I saw how many times I picked it up a day. Like, you know, I'm up fifty percent <laughs> this week. Oh, I'm such a loser. Yeah. But uh, I know I've been the most successful like when trying to get healthy with eating with exercise. When I take an actual accounting, when I write it down, yeah, I ate this. Or even if you're using an app, but there I'm using the app. The app is not using me. Um, where I'm, I ate this. I ran this many times a week. I biked this many times a week. When the data is removed from me and it's facing me, as opposed to me kind of rationalizing uh, my usage of it, then there, I can't argue with it. So mm-hmm. I think there is there is good value in that, even though it's coming from the phone itself. So last thought on this before we just pivot to to just talking about social settings. Um, I wonder if I could turn to. Um, Rabbi Dr. Benjamin Epstein, to just maybe speak to that idea of, of does, does having the data front and center in this situation, does it help or does it hurt us as we think about managing our screen time in the workplace? I like to think it helps. Okay. I'm just saying, speaking anecdotally, I'd have to think about it a little bit more, but I think that we, if we have a sort of... Um, bar or gauge to sort of see how we're doing. Um, sometimes it could be defeating. You could feel very overwhelmed being like, oh my goodness, this is a Herculean task. I don't know how I'm going to be able to manage it. But if we actually have some numbers where we can sort of work towards a goal, um, but just the knowledge itself isn't enough, right? The knowledge itself isn't enough. It's really cultivating the the skills of, of how to properly pay attention and 
it's just the the overwhelm the sheer overwhelmingness the nature of it you know it's like an earthquake here and a super bowl victory here and a picture of a cat video and just our minds are so everywhere and i like really like what, what jay was saying in terms of using prayer as a time to center ourselves mm-hmm. and and i think that there is definitely in other cultures the idea of a centering prayer but maybe that's what we really need to be focusing on because we have it three times a day where we have a built-in break yeah that we could avail ourselves of. And it's sort of like people struggle with this. You know, we were just talking about it before, you know, in terms of, of finding meaning in the daily prayers. But if we're looking at it as this sort of self-care type of, of practice, um, as long as you do it in under 10 minutes, <laughs> then that, that might be what we have built in. Because you sort of, when we lose our focus, like you said, it was so hard to get back to. Yeah. But it's also when we sort of recalibrate ourselves, then we're sort of just like, we're not going to be as quick to rushing to the phone, except for the people who are praying from the phones, which might be a whole separate. So uh, I thank you. That was that was a great summary. I think in the interest of not violating our 20 minute rule, I think we will come back to the conversation about work and screen and social. But before we go, I just wanted to ask you. Um, are you a Monica? Are you a Ross? Are you a Chandler? Are you a Joey? Are you a Phoebe? Who am I missing? Um, uh, the last uh, Monica. Who is Jennifer Aniston? Uh, Rachel. Rachel. So who are you? Definitely a Chandler. You're definitely a Chandler. Definitely a Chandler. What makes you a Chandler? This the, the overall the overall sarcasm <laughs> with the very soft underside that just you know comes out a little bit. Pining away for Monica, whoever she is, <laughs> whoever, she, whoever she is, Jason, with a, little, with a little Phoebe. Oh, a little. Okay, so like a little a, Phoebe. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We don't. We don't want to. We don't want to. You know, fair enough. All the way. You're Joey. Yeah. Joey all the way. Hands love sandwiches. <laughs> Joey loves sandwiches. Joey loves. He's a very simple guy. Yeah. Very simple, straightforward. Okay, and I'm a, like I was born a Ross. I'll die, Ross. Like, there's no, That's so cool. There's no doubt about That's it. That's so cool. That's so right, cool. Well, it's too bad none of us are Rachel's. But anyway. Yes, exactly. Well, on that note, um, go back to checking your phones. Thank you for listening to uh, this episode of Mindful Work. Again, um, a place where a CEO, a rabbi, and a shrink talk about mindfulness at work. Rabbi Dr. Benjamin Epstein, author of Living in the Presence, coming soon from Orem Productions. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Rabbi Jason Rosen, newest member of the Startup Nation. Thank you for joining Ooh. us today. And my name is Ross, and uh, <laughs> we'll catch you next time here at Mindful Work. Thank you. Wow. Love last. <laughs>